All right, if you will tonight, find your place in Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter number 1. Also, if you will, be finding your place in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Now, I know that sounds strange considering these two different portions of the Bible, but we hope to tie all this together here in just a moment. I'm going to read. I'm going to, I'm going to do this backwards, okay? That's not a surprise to anyone, is it? I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, starting in uh, verse number 14. And I'm going to read down to verse number 24, and then I'm going to leave it for just a minute and go to Luke chapter uh, number 1, and then we'll wind up back in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, okay? 1 Thessalonians, stand with us if you will tonight for the reading reverence of the word of God. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, the Bible says in verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your God, uh, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless, under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, pray God now you'd help us as we try to deliver the thought that you've placed on our heart. Pray, Lord, you'd call back into our remembrance the things which you've placed on our heart. We'll be careful to give you the glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, before we move over to Luke, let me, let me call your attention uh, to two verses of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, number five. That way you'll know kind of the context of which direction I'm headed. The Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter number five, verse number 16, rejoice evermore. Now I want you to know this is given in the form of a command. Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica and he's commanding this to be done of the church at Thessalonica. He's not asking, he's not saying when you feel like it. He's not saying if you Feel joyful in the morning when you wake up. He's not saying uh, if there's a condition that is right for this, uh, you go ahead and rejoice evermore. I want you to know what he's saying is you rejoice evermore. And it's something that we must purpose, number one, to do. It's not always a, uh, it's something that we feel, but it's something that we do. Okay? And so having said that, uh, I want to understand that the, the word rejoice is to make joyful. Now, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And if you're saved by the grace of God and you're trying to live for the Lord, you should have some fruits that come forth and, and people can see uh, some fruit of the Holy Spirit on the inside of your life. But the Bible says here to rejoice evermore. Now, we know that evermore is at all times. That's, that's all times and, and forevermore, okay, all out through eternity. I assure you when we get around the throne of God, uh, we'll rejoice evermore. But right now, understanding in this life that we live with hardships, 
we're still to rejoice even in the days in which we live. That's not to say that we don't have problems. That's not to say that we don't have trials. And that's not to say that you'll always feel uh, 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 vibrant, if you will, going through this walk of life. You won't always walk through the doors of this local assembly, come in and sit down and feel vibrant. There are people that are oppressed. They have problems, okay? There's trials. But it doesn't stop this command to rejoice evermore. And I was talking to a preacher friend of mine uh, that pastors a church yesterday for just a few minutes. And, well, it was longer than a few minutes. I had him on the phone for quite some time just jawing. We don't get to talk very often. And, and I was just talking and we were exhorting one another and going through some scripture and talking about some things. And I told him, I said, I have a bad reputation uh, for being someone that, that other people look at and think that I have a problem uh, with people having any emotion uh, in their life or in God's house. And, and I, that's not the case. I like to, I like to see folk cry and I like to shout and I like to get in the glory and I like to feel those things. But understanding that I don't always have to feel that way to praise and magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the only time that I praised and magnified Christ is when I felt like it, there'd be a lot of times, Brother Shane, that Christ and the glory that he deserves. Now, let's look at it like this. I mentioned this in Sunday school this morning, and I'm already getting sidetracked, but it was Christ endured the cross, despising the shame, but he did it for the joy that was set before him. Understanding that what he was purchasing that day, he was purchasing uh, for a later time. There would be men, women, and boys and girls later on down through the ages that would be born into this world that would need a Savior. And because of what he done that day, he made it and purposed in his heart uh, to do something on that day that would help us in a later day. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ laid his life down for mankind. But in this dispensation, in this age, in this day, in, in, in this year, uh, you understand you can be saved by the grace of God because of something he done back then. And so here's what I'm trying to say to you. He made a conscious decision to do something for the joy that was set before him, understanding he wasn't having a wonderful time while he was dying, right? And so here's what you and I do. You and I don't have to wait to magnify his name. We don't have to wait to praise his name. We don't have to wait to say a good word on his behalf just when we feel like it. But we can come into God's house and say, Lord, uh, you, you saved me and you're worthy of our praise. And I, I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to sing. I'm going to purpose in my heart when we open the songbook tonight to sing unto you because I don't feel like it, but you're still worthy. And so here's what's being said here. It says rejoice evermore. Purpose in your heart to make joyful uh, and, and at all times. Then the Bible says pray without ceasing. Okay? Now, I have made this remark, and it's not a wrong remark, and I'm not backing up from what I said, but I want to look at this in a little bit different light. You and I, knowing that we can't always be on our hands and knees before God and in, in, in are lying prostrate before God, we have responsibilities. There's other scripture in the Word of God that tells us that, 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 that we're to work and to provide for our families. If we don't work and provide for our families, we're worse than an infidel. I can't be laying prostrate 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. I have to get up and work. But I can have a heart to pray, right? I'm supposed to be constantly in a mode, uh, in, a, in a mindset of being able to approach the Lord. But here's what I want you to see here. 
Pray without ceasing means don't cease to be in a mode of prayer. Now, you're going to find that you don't always feel like rejoicing. And you're going to find that you don't always feel like praying. But we're to pray always, right? We're to, we're to pray and we're to rejoice. It's not a, a, it's not a when you feel like it. It's not a feeling. It's an attitude that he is worthy of our uh, conversation. He's worthy. See, sometimes we only talk to God when we need something, right? And so we go to him because we need something. When we don't need nothing, sometimes we don't talk to him. But what we need to do is we need to focus our attention on praying in a, in a constant state of, of, of talking to the Lord. Don't cease, cease not to pray. You're going to find that what keeps a lot of people from rejoicing or from worshiping or from praising is they don't feel like it. You're going to find that a lot of times people won't pray because they just simply don't feel like it. And as people of God, we understand there's things that we do and need to do even when we don't feel like it, right? And so here's the thing. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, it doesn't say for everything, give thanks. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. That means in any state of your life, you're to give thanks to the Lord. We know that all things work to the good of them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Now, that means that he sees things that's for our best benefit that we don't always see. That means we're going to go through trials, tribulations, issues of our life that we don't always want to go through. But in those days, he's still good. He's still God. And he's still worthy for our praise. So there's an exhortation here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 to understand that in everything give thanks, not just when you feel like it. You know, there's going to be some times in your life where you're not going to feel like thanking the Lord. Going to be some times in your life when you don't feel like praying to the Lord. Going to be some times in your life. Why would somebody not pray to the Lord? You know, if I go a long time without talking to you, Brother Shane, I probably don't want to talk to you. And my point is, if we go a long time without talking to God, it's because we don't want to talk to him. Why would you not want to talk to God? You know, it's possible to get frustrated at God. You know, it's possible to, to feel like you're not getting a fair shake in life. You know, it's possible to feel like that he might not be worthy of the praise today. Why? Because you're going through something that you don't like. And so understanding that the ladies sing this song about God being good. You know, God's good when you and I feel bad. God's good when you and I feel good. And it really don't matter how we feel or what's going on in life. It don't change the fact that God's still good and he's worthy to be praised because he gave of himself in a day when he didn't probably feel like giving himself. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was sweating great drops of blood and crying out to his father because of what was to come. He was in agony, mental anguish. You ever had problems in your life that brought mental anguish? Yet Jesus Christ persevered through the mental anguish and did the will of God. It's in the will of God today for you and I to give praise and honor to him. And the Bible says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For you know what the Bible did not say for everything give thanks? Because you can't give thanks for everything. There might be some things in your life, and I'm not going to hobby horse right here for just a minute. This is a different message for a different day. There could be some things in your life that you can't thank him for. See, the Bible doesn't say that we're to thank him for everything because you might be doing something or involved in something or have something in your life you can't thank him for. 
Let me say this. If there's something in your life that you can't bow on your hands and knees and thank the Lord for, you need to get it out of your life. You need to remove it from your life. The Bible says here, quench not the spirit. You know what will quench the spirit of God? Now listen, people get it backwards today. Listen to me now closely because you'll find this happens a lot. People get it backwards today. They need a feeling before the spirit of God moved in their service. That's not what's happening today. What's happening is, is when we praise the Lord, and I'm not saying out of line, I'm not saying out of character, I'm not saying out of order, but I'm saying purposing to praise the Lord. Purposing to pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. When you do that, you will not quench the Spirit of God. But it's just possible that you might come in on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night after a long hard day or your troubles and trials and tribulations have got you beyond belief. But you're going to purpose to rejoice. You're going to purpose to pray. You're going to purpose to give thanks to God in everything, in every season of your life. And you know the, the spirit will not be quenched. It just might be that the Lord passes by your way. And you may walk out of there going, I didn't much feel like going, but I'm awful glad I came. So the Bible says here, despise not prophesying. You know what that means? Despise not the word of God. Despise not the words of God. Now, we've been dealing with that a little bit on Sunday morning, but the Bible says, prove all things hold fast, that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Now I want you to notice this after we find 16, verse 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23. The Bible says faithful is he that calleth you. Can you agree with me tonight that the Lord's faithful? The Lord's never left us. He's never forsaken us. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our rejoicing. He's worthy of our thanks regardless of the season of life that we are in. Now, having said all that, go with me back to Luke chapter number one. And I want to emphasize this matter of praying without ceasing. Go with me to verse number five. Luke chapter number one, verse number five. All right, the Bible says here, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of, Ab uh, of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. Now, this is the word of God. Thy word is truth. We would say here, now we know that, that there's none righteous, no, not one. So we're not talking about sinless perfection, but we're talking about a heart towards God. Two people that purposed to live a life that magnified and glorified God. All right? Wouldn't that be good if that could be said about you and I today? All right, so God obviously felt that way about them. It's in his word. Said, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments. Here again, wouldn't that be wonderful? have a house full of uh, born-again believers tonight and serving the Lord and all living for God and uh, all rebellion put aside and everyone walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Now, I want you to notice, we find over here, Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, uh, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. Now, that ain't faultless. You and I have faults. 
You and I are sinners. The Bible also says one of the qualifications to a pastor is that he be what? Blameless. I ain't perfect. I am not perfect. I say ain't a lot. I am not. I listen to myself sometimes and I go, I wish you'd quit saying that. I am not perfect. All right? And so having said that I am not perfect, uh, we, we understand that blameless means that you don't lay in blame. If I make a mistake, I need to get it right. If I fault somebody, I fix it. I, I should fix it according to the word of God. If I do something that's out of character, I need to get it fixed and straightened out. I don't stay in blame. I, I, you know, you blame somebody that's done something wrong. If I do something wrong, I need to get it right. You can't have a pastor pastor in a church that stays in blame. And so what we're finding here is, is, is all these things we just read in the First uh, Thessalonians chapter number 5. This, this exhortation here is that the Bible says uh, be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until the Lord Jesus Christ comes, we should work to be blameless. All right, but we find that these, this man and his wife, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they are blameless. And the Bible says, and they had no child. Now, I want you to notice this. They're blameless. They're, they're righteous before God. They're walking in all the commandments. And then we find that the next thing we see in the Word of God is they had no child. Seems like a shift of gears right there. Well, we're going to find that, that, that all we see in verse number 6, there's something about verse number 7 that correlates with verse number 6. What's, the, what's this matter of no child? All of a sudden they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. So you would say that for years uh, they, they wanted a child or maybe even tried for a child but were unable to have a child because Elizabeth was barren. The Bible said it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, not only is he righteous, not only does he walk in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless, so does his wife, and he takes a position, Brother Shane, down at the house of God. All right, seems like a pretty good fellow to me. Seems like the kind of guy you and I would want around at the house of God. And the Bible here says in um, verse number 8, it came to pass that while they executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So we see his, what his job was in the, in the house of God at this time. It said, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So he's in the temple, they're outside, they're praying. And the Bible says here, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now imagine with me, if you will, you're minding your own business. You're going through the, uh, the, the duties of the house of God. You're doing, uh, you're living right. You're, you're doing right. You're purposing your heart to, to follow the Bible. Your wife, your home's right. I mean, his house was in order. His wife was doing the same things he was. There wasn't a problem at home in the way they were serving the Lord. Now there was a desire in their heart that had not been met. That was the lack of a child in their home. Now the Bible here says he was troubled and fear fell upon him. So he was, uh, he was not nonchalant about this happening, if you'll allow me to say it that way. He, he, he don't know what's going on, but he knows this is a big deal. I'm sure that all the times he burned incense before and the people were outside praying, the angel had not appeared. The Bible says, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. 
Now they're outside praying. He's burning incense, minding his own business, doing his duty. The angel shows up and says this about his prayer. He said, for thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Now one would almost think if we walked away from this scripture and all that I've read to you right now uh, in your hearing, this is all I read, you would think that he was in the temple praying for a child. That isn't what was happening. The Bible here says, but the angel said unto him, fear not Zacharias for thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness. Many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. That sounds real familiar, don't it? We, we read a little bit about that this morning. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with a holy ghost even from his mother's womb. So can I say this? He got something that everybody else had to wait to the day of Pentecost to get. This man had something special with the Lord. Said, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the, old, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Now let's think about this for just a minute. Zacharias uh, was that kind of guy that everyone would benefit from having around. He's faithful. He respects God's word. He loves his family. He leads his family. He fulfills his duties and he's blameless. Not sinless but blameless. But he gets this surprise when the angel shows up and begins to talk to him. And we find here in verse 18, and Zechariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. This verse right here lets us know that in this moment in time, he had not been praying for a son or for a child. Because even when the angel come and he says, I heard thy prayer, at that moment in time, he is answering or, or saying that a prayer has been heard and answered from days gone by. Now, let me say this. Obviously, Zacharias and Elizabeth were praying people. Zacharias was a man that believed that God could. You would not waste your breath or your time praying to God about something if you did not in some capacity believe that God was able to answer your prayer. So we go to the Lord in prayer in our time of need and our time of trouble knowing that he's a God that hears us and can answer our prayers and that he is a God that is able. A God that hangs the world into existence or parts the, the, the waters for his people to cross over on dry ground. I mean, this is a God that can do anything he wants to do. But Zacharias said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. So here's what I want you to see. Not, not only was he a praying man at one time in his life. He was, he was a praying man, but at one time in his life he was praying specifically for a child. But undoubtedly, his wife gets to the, the age in her life where it's unnatural for a woman to conceive and bear a child, and he quits praying. 
Now I want you to notice something about this. Zacharias' prayer life was such as God can. God is able. He has the ability. But he still confines the ability of God to a time frame. Based upon man's natural ability. So he says, God, I know you can. But he's looking at God being able to based upon a natural course of action. Now you and I sometimes, we pray to God. We say, Lord, I know you're able. But when things don't fall out or shake out like we think it should, in a certain amount of time or in a certain fashion that we consider on a natural level, we lose faith. We suddenly determine that God would have done it, He could have done it, but He won't do it now because it's just, it's, it, there's the limitations are... It's just in such a fashion that now he, he, he can't. We understand that all the while Zacharias is looking at God, he's looking at Elizabeth. She's barren. There's a problem. Obviously they wanted children. Obviously they tried for children. Obviously they didn't have any. So he's praying to God but looking at Elizabeth. You know, sometimes we pray to God but we're looking at something else. Sometimes we're praying to God and we're looking at limitations. Sometimes we're praying to God and we're looking at, at reasons why he can't now. He's the God that can any time he wants to. So Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. So he hears the word. Now let me ask you a question. We're all sitting here today and we're in the house of God. And, and it's not anything abnormal. If an angel appeared and propped up beside Miss, uh, Miss Pam and Brother Shane, I believe it would catch you off guard and everybody else would quit listening to me and put their attention on Brother Shane and Miss Pam and the angel. Because it would take us by surprise. There's no doubt that this angel appearing Zacharias, the Bible said he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Would you not say it was a supernatural event for an angel to appear where Zacharias was at. Now I believe that if, a, if an angel appeared, you'd think, wow, there's, there's not anything God cannot do. I mean, you're talking to an angel, an angel's in your presence, something that's never happened to you before. But it's amazing how God can do something so supernatural, yet us still respond in a fashion that puts limitations and, and, and clamps, if you will, on what God can or cannot do. And because it didn't shake out like he thought it would, he gave up. Now listen to me close. There's a lot. She was old. Well stricken in years. Not stricken in years, but well stricken in years. What are you saying? I'm saying her time had passed from a natural standpoint. Well beyond her, her years. He's give up. He's not even praying that way anymore. He, he, he's probably not even thinking about it. Why? Because she's not able. But we understand the angel has said, For he shall be great. Thou shalt have joy and gladness. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John. I mean, he had a name. He knew, he was told he would be great. He was told it was going to happen. And all Zacharias can say is, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife, well stricken in years. Even when the angel was sent of God to tell him this thing, he's still looking at Elizabeth. 
He's still looking at himself. You know, a lot of times you and I are praying to God. We need a supernatural move of God because what is natural isn't working. What was natural in their home wasn't cutting it. So he looks, at, he looks to God to do the supernatural but confines him to natural ability. We do that. And, and so the Bible says, And the angel answered to him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. In other words, I'm imparting this to you because God sent me from the portals of glory to where you're at to tell you that he heard your prayer and he's going to answer your prayer. Now I'll say this, I'm glad God can answer a prayer all these years later that we longed for way back yonder and needed him to answer. And I'm glad that when we give up praying sometimes, God still honors those prayers. But let me say this to you. The Bible said, and behold, thou shalt be done and not able to speak. We're done today if we don't believe God's still able. We're done. The Bible said, Behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day these things shall be performed. You know what happened? He quit praying. After he quit praying, God still come to him and answered his prayer because he's a good God. God didn't have to, but God, God answered his prayer. And in the face of God... He doubts God when God stands there telling him he'll do it. He had faith when God wasn't answering his prayer. But because of natural time frame, he no longer believes God can. God says he will. And then he questions it as if it's still not possible. So God takes this man who was righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless, and basically calls him dumb. You're going to be dumb. You're not going to be able to speak. I want you to know something today. It's possible to live a righteous life, to, 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 live a, to walk in all of his commandments and his ordinances of the Lord, be blameless, to, to have your home in order, to love God, to love the church, and still be dumb as a box of rocks. Because of one thing, we put our faith in ourselves and not in God. We're doing something today that you and I cannot do. We're operating in an assembly tonight that if God don't operate it, we're in trouble. We are so crazy today if we think we can run a home, we can run a church, we can raise children, we can do anything apart from God helping us do it. But a lot of times we operate looking at ourselves. Now I know for a fact uh, that there's people in this church tonight that have been praying for things as long as I've been here and then some. And the Lord has not produced the answer to the prayer that you've been praying. And you could get discouraged tonight and say, well, you know, the time's up, the, everything that could have been done, it's, done, it's too late, it's not going to happen. Can I say to you, God still can. And if you think that God cannot, you're dumb today. And I'm dumb today. And so here's what I'm saying. The Bible says, Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife was stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak unto the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words. Now I want you to notice with me something here. 
There's some things that we find uh, about God having spoke to Zacharias concerning Elizabeth and John that sound a whole lot, whole lot like what the angel had to say unto Mary concerning her conception with Christ. Now let's look here for just a minute in, uh, uh, let's see, verse number 26, please. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt bring, or thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. That's the same thing that the angel told Zacharias in verse 15. For he shall be great. And shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She questions the angel too. But I want you to notice what doesn't happen to Mary. Mary does not get struck dumb. Mary does not get punished. The Bible said, And the angel answered unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Do you realize the angel answered her question and told her how it was going to be? It's not that Mary necessarily didn't believe. She didn't understand how it was going to come to pass. And you understand here, too, the, 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 the dividing line here, the thing that I noticed, all these things, these, these two uh, passages here, they, they correlate, they parallel, so much looks the same. But there's one thing that, that Zacharias done, Mary did not do. Mary never prayed for this. Mary never called on God and said, God, I want a child. Zacharias, being a faithful man, a praying man, a righteous man, he begged God for years. He lived a lifetime with this woman, built a home with this woman. A lifetime had passed. His prayer had not been answered and he quit. Now Mary's a young lady. Mary's starting her life out. She's not been praying to God because she was barren. So let me say to you, the, 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 the dividing line here, what separates these two stories is a matter of prayer and belief. Now the Bible tells us here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. No matter what season of life you're in, no matter whether you're young or whether you're old, no matter whether you're starting your life or you're at the end of your life or somewhere in the middle, no matter your circumstances or what's going on in your life or in your family, what spiritual maturity level you're at with God, whether you're healthy or whether you're unhealthy, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you're smart or whether you're dumb, it really doesn't matter. One thing is said here, in everything, give thanks. 
Why? Because God is good. And not only is God good, but God is able. And I want you to remember and I want you to understand that we are to pray without ceasing. We don't always feel like it. We see a man right here in Luke chapter number 1 that got tired of praying for a child. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed till he got tired of praying said it's not going to happen. It's obviously not God's will. I'm done. I quit. Now I want to say this. He never quit God. He never quit his duties. He never quit his obligation. He never quit leading his home. He never uh, had a falling out with Elizabeth. He just simply quit believing that God could. Now here's what I, this is my heart and I'm done tonight. If you're praying for something and you're asking God to do what naturally cannot be done. And I know that's happening because I've got things in my own life and people in my own life that I pray for that I know that I'm not able to reach them. I'm not able to do it. Obviously, this man knew that he was not able to do it. But he put limitations on God by looking at himself. Now, here's what I, I don't want. I don't want to put God in a box. And I don't want to say, God, you can do this. I trust you. I believe you. But when God don't do it just like we think he ought to, that we decide that God is no longer able. And then when God wants to do it, we're not in a place to even accept that he is doing it. Now, if you get the attitude that God can't, and you get the attitude that he's not, and that he won't, when he gets ready to do what he's, but you've asked him to do, you will not be in a place to be any service or help to him in the situation. Now, I want to say this, and then I'll be done. God could do whatever he wanted to. God, listen to me now, God put a child in the womb of Mary without the help of a man. Zacharias was expecting God to give them a child and he never did until one day he decided he was going to. God could have done it without Zacharias but God chose not to do it without Zacharias. Now I want to say this, there could be some things you've prayed for in the past and you're just laid up with your hand, head on your hand waiting on God to do it. And you've decided that God's able and, and he can handle it and you're going to get back and get out of the way. Let God do it. Could be that God can do it, wants to do it, and will do it, but he's waiting on you to do your part. Amen. Now listen, Zacharias had made himself unavailable right here. When Zacharias decided God couldn't and God wouldn't, and he quit praying for it. He quit making himself available. But it still took God using Zacharias to get this done. Mary conceived without a man. Elizabeth did not. Here's what I want to say to you. You keep praying. You keep trusting God. And you keep yourself available for God to use you. Do not be a hindrance to your own self after you've spent all those times crying and praying and begging God to do something that now suddenly you don't think he has the ability to do anymore. But be available. 
There's sometimes that we 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 get to the point that we're just going to let let go and let God. There's sometimes we have to let go and let God. There's sometimes God's going to do some things He's not going to ask our permission about. But there are some times that God's going to do something that you've been praying for, and He's going to use you to help to get the job done. And when you act like God can and act like God won't, you are you are cutting yourself out of a blessing. And you're removing yourself from being available to the service of God for the very thing that you've been praying for. You know what you become then? You stop being a help and start becoming the hindrance to the very thing you asked for. Do not put God in a box tonight. Do not say that God can, but God has to do it within the confines of my little ideas. Our ideas are little bitty. Our understanding is little bitty. He is a great big God. He does great big things. And he's got things figured out. And all I'm saying is God may not want your help. God don't need us, Brother Marvin. God did not need Zechariah. Say, how do you know? Well, he sure didn't need Joseph. He did not need Zacharias. But he used Zacharias. And here's what I'm saying to you. God may want to use you to be a benefit to the very prayers you've prayed all this time. And when God gets ready to do it, friend, you be ready to answer. You be ready to say, okay, Lord. You know what God done? He stopped the mouth of Zacharias. You prayed all those years for something, and now you're being done. I'm telling you, I, I've sent an angel. The angel come. I've sent of God to tell you this, Zacharias. And because you won't believe me, I'm going to shut up your mouth till I do what I said I was going to do. You know what God don't need? He don't need our mouth. He don't need our mouth. He don't need our ideas. He don't need what we think. The Bible said to pray without ceasing. Do not cease to pray. Do not get in your mindset that I can only pray when I feel like it. That I can only rejoice when I feel like it. That I can only give thanks when I feel like it. You, you rejoice evermore. You pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks and then you wait on God. Because God is the one that does what we cannot do. And if we'll wait upon Him and we'll trust Him and we'll look to Him and we'll make ourselves available to Him, He can do things that you and I cannot comprehend. And He can do things that we, others cannot comprehend. The Bible said that there was going to be others rejoice about this boy named John and, and this, this matter of Elizabeth being with child. Why? Because there's a lot of people who didn't think she could ever have a child either. What were they wrong? What were they going to find out? And then it just so happens that the time come when all these things come to pass, Zacharias said his name is John. You know, when Zacharias got another opportunity to open his mouth, he didn't open his mouth in disbelief. I'm going to say this, God's made a believer out of me that he can do things that you and I don't comprehend. And there's people all across the house tonight got things in your life, problems at home, problems in your work life, problems somewhere, something you're praying for, something you're longing for, something you're desiring. And, and there's, this, there's this temptation to say that God won't. God can't. God's not able. Friend, he still can He's still able, and you need to stay available. If you'll stay available, and you know that he's able, God might use you to do something, friend, that you've been praying for 
for a very, very, very long time. Do not give up on God tonight. You trust Him. Whether you feel like it, you rejoice. Whether you feel like it, you pray. Whether you feel like it, you give thanks and everything for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And if you'll do that today, friend, God will bless you in ways that you cannot imagine. He was going to be great. He was going to do something great. And Zacharias got to watch something that he'd prayed for for a long time come to pass and have the Spirit of God in his life. This young man was a front runner for the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot help but think that Zacharias thanked his God every day for answering that prayer, even in a time when Zacharias had failed to believe that God could do what Zacharias had asked him to do. Do not wait. Do not beat yourself out of a blessing tonight by waiting to rejoice, by waiting to pray, or waiting to give thanks to God. He's worthy. God could still do when Zacharias didn't think he could, and God could still do today. He's still worthy. His worthiness is not based upon the way you and I feel. We do not have to feel a certain way for God to be worthy. The next time you come in to the house of God and you don't feel like praising him, just sing to him anyway. When you don't feel like praying, just pray to him anyway. When you go home and you find that your life is in such a state that you're having a hard time giving him thanks for what's going on in your life, give him thanks anyway. And understand that all things work together to the good of them that love the Lord and are the call according to his purpose. It's in, it's, it's in his will for you to thank him. But understand that what he's doing, he's doing with you in mind. Sister, if you'll come to the piano, let's all stand to our feet. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight and we ask God that you in this invitation would talk to people, touch hearts, remind them, encourage them, I pray. I beg of you, God, to remind these people tonight that what they've been praying for and what they've been asking you, that you're still able I ask God that you would help them not to beat themselves out of a blessing. But Lord, in everything to pray, or everything give thanks to pray without ceasing, Father, and to rejoice evermore. I praise your name tonight. I, I lift your name on high. I thank you, Lord, that I could be in a dungeon, in a jail, in stocks in the middle of the night and still be able to sing praises unto you. Lord, I believe in my heart of hearts that Paul had it right. He had it figured out when he wrote to the church at Thessalonica. I believe that he knew when he told them to pray without ceasing that he could think about a time when he was in a, in a state of affairs where, 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 where he had no choice but to pray. But to praise. All down through Paul's life. Paul had problems and trials and troubles and people were trying to kill him. He was let down through uh, the windows and down by the walls and shipwrecked and beat and stomped, all kinds of things, but he still knew and everything give thanks. He knew how to abound. He knew how to be abased. Help us, Father, I pray, to make a conscious decision tonight that no matter where we're at and what season of our life, we'll continue to pray. We'll rejoice evermore. And in everything, Father, we'll give thanks, knowing that this is the will of God for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. While she plays, if you need to come, you come.